0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, Doug. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good today, Bob. I am doing pretty well. Uh, the fall sporting seasons are coming to a close, so my my uh, I feel like I'm getting some of my evenings back, which is always a good thing. Always fun to watch my kids, but always oh, nice. glad when the seasons are over.
0: Nice. Yeah, how about you? Nice. How you be? I Yeah. I also am preparing to finish a season. You know, I do some woodworking and we do Saturday. My daughter and I do these Saturday markets Hmm. on Saturdays. And, uh, this Saturday, this coming Saturday is going to be our last one for the season. And I've been fantasizing recently about sleeping in on a Saturday. I don't know. I don't know how you do like what your morning rituals are, but I'm, you know, my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. Uh, every day but Sunday, I give myself till six thirty, so that's my sleep in. <laughs> but uh, when market season's over, I'm I'm not going to turn on an alarm on Saturday, and I'm going to see what happens. Oh man! If and what I fear is going to happen is I'm still going to get up at six <laughs> and like like I won't be able to do it. What is it that you know? It's not just you get into a routine. It's it's that. It's something about the drivenness in us or I, I don't know, but like, I used to be able to sleep mm-hmm. for a long time and now I can't just lay in bed. I can't do it anymore. And I've never been more tired. Pastor Doug, help me with that. What should <laughs> <fix me? laughs> I, I so desperately want to have a lay in you know, on some Saturday morning. And I just, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to do it. Well,
1: Bob, there is God's grace is sufficient for you, my friend. (laughs) You know, what's really funny about (laughs) that. The best piece of advice, the year that I, I took over, uh, as the lead pastor of renew, I picked up this, this wily old sage coach by the name of Bob Hyatt to help me in this transition (laughs) And I remember telling you how tired I was. And you told me the best piece of advice where you're like, take a nap, man. Like, wait, what? You're like, yeah, "Yeah, take a nap. And then you went on to tell me about the naps that you take. And I was like, that's like the best, most practical piece of advice. Um, All right. So I know that's a sidebar, but. Bob, I have the same problem. I mean, I get up every morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. My alarm goes off and I don't have an alarm set on Saturday morning. And I'm up at 6 a.m. every Saturday morning. I don't. Yeah. One yeah. time I did sleep till 730 and I thought and I like I wasn't sick. I mean, I got up and I this surely it must be COVID or something's not right. But I don't I don't know. I, I wish maybe one of our listeners can send us like great insight on here's how to sleep past your alarm clock, not through your alarm clock, but like your internal alarm clock.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That would be cool. Yeah. It's so funny. We, we go different seasons of life. Like it's such a struggle to get up and then (laughs) suddenly you find it's a struggle not to get up. Yeah. What happened? I I don't know. I, I don't know. But, I do know that these rhythms of rest and sleep and what we give ourselves permission Hmm. to do and not do that. Those are important. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, uh, people like our guest today, Ruth Haley Barton, have been around writing about those kinds of things and guiding people like you and me, uh, who are ministry leaders and can tend towards the driven. I think a lot of times, um, to to really think through what's the what's the impact on our souls if we don't take the rest that God is offering us if we don't listen when He invites us into a different way of living so I'm 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 glad for people like Ruth Haley Barton and I'm I'm excited about this conversation today
1: yeah me too I know it's I know for me it's been very similar just I remember reading one of the first books on Sabbath. Um, Uh, I remember reading, um, oh gosh, uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel's book on Sabbath and it just radically shifted. And then I read Mm. a a book on, uh, by Brueggemann Sabbath as resistance. And, and these, these books marked me deeply. Um, and I think what's so Mm. cool about it is they just gave me permission to begin to recognize that like, I'm not a widget producing person. Like I'm, I'm a human being who needs Mm. these rhythms of rest and work and play And, you know, total focus and all the different things in which we have. And I just found that to be so freeing. It's, you know, when I think back to my journey, it was in 2000 and 2009 is when I started taking Sabbaths like very seriously. Mm. And it just changed everything. Um, It changed Mm. like my marriage. It changed my pastoring. It changed my the way that I feel like I was able to be present just completely shifted because it's having that day where I didn't have to be present or could just be present to God was was uh yeah just life changing. So yeah, there's a ton of nuggets and tidbits and just stuff that I feel like we're gonna glean from this conversation today. Our guest today is Dr. Ruth Haley Barton. She is the founding president and CEO of The Transforming Center, a ministry dedicated to strengthening the souls of pastors and Christian leaders and the congregations and organizations that they serve. Ruth is the author of numerous books and resources on the spiritual life, including Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Sacred Rhythms, Longing for More, Pursuing God's Will Together, and Life Together in Christ. She's also the host of The Strengthening of the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. Um, We are really excited to have Ruth Haley Barton on. She's been someone who has shaped my ministry and life in so many different ways. And we're talking to her about her newest book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. We hope you join this conversation with our friend, Dr. Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth, thank you so much for joining us today on the Monday Morning Pastor. We really appreciate you uh, joining us.
2: Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Absolutely. So you've been pastoring and shepherding and podcasting and encouraging leaders and pastors for for many years now. And we want to just pause and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for answering that call and for being part of that deep mm. work. Um, mm. But the question that I have, and I think our listeners would love to hear too, is where does that calling in you come from?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, two different ways to answer that. One is it comes from my own story. I'm a pastor's kid. So, um, we are a pastor's family. My brothers are pastors. It is the world and the life that I know the best. And I think when you're a child raised in a pastor's home, you actually see the church in a different way than most other people do. Um, you see, I mean, I I joke about the fact that you see the semi underbelly of it all. <laughs> um, so you know, you just you just know it. You know the difficulties of it. Uh, you know the stresses of it. You know the uniqueness of it of the pastoral call. So it really is the world that I know the best. Um, and then secondly, the calling comes from a period of time in my own life when I was in ministry and became aware of my own deep need and became aware mm-hmm. of the fact that you can be very very successful in your life externally, you can be doing well is what I mean. You can be being effective as a pastor or as a leader and good things can be going on in your external ministry life, but inside you can be dying. Mm. Um, Mm. And so it was really my own seeking and searching at that point in my own life um, where I had to, I had to really step off the ministry treadmill and spend a couple of years really um, attending to my own soul, allowing God to attend to my soul um, just experiencing spiritual direction and uh, the spiritual practices that I didn't know about that hadn't been a part of my life growing up that I really, really needed, like solitude and silence and a different another approach to scripture, that sort of thing. So it really comes out of my own need too, that period of time in my own life when I needed something else desperately. I just needed so much to have my soul replenished in God's presence. Um, and then when I was on staff at um, a large church, That was very successful. I also saw many other staff people who are experiencing a great deal of external success, but who are dying on the inside. And Mm -hmm. I realized that there, I just really had a call to work with uh, leaders broadly because of what I had seen and known and experienced Mm -hmm. myself.
1: Well, thank you so much for answering that call. And, and we, I mean, I, I know for myself and Bob, we've really appreciated, um, although we haven't had a ton of, there's our first time mm-hmm. chatting with you in person. Mm-hmm. We've been chatting with you for years through your mm-hmm. books. Um, Good, and, and I this just, is
2: going to be easy.
1: Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. But I, I think what's, what's interesting is you know you, you, you really hit on why we do this podcast of just realizing mm-hmm. that there's, a, there is an underbelly of pastoral ministry, you know the, the toll it takes on one's soul, yeah. can, mm-hmm. can really be damaging and challenging. Um, and, and again, I think one of the things that we talk about, myself as a spiritual director and and Bob and as coaches and spiritual directors and things like that, we talk a lot about Sabbath and, uh, what it means to enter into rest and. And, and your your newest book that's come in, that that has come out we're really excited yeah. about because you really hit on this in such profound ways that uh, I we just appreciated. And so as we think about pastors and Christian leaders, it, they, there tends to be this this love hate relationship with Sabbath. Um, yeah. And you have this you kind of touched on this idea that sometimes Sabbath is entered into and sometimes it's forced on us. Um, mm-hmm. And so how did your Sabbath journey begin?
2: yeah well, it began with the being it being forced on me. <laughs> yeah. um, as a pastor's kid, we did practice Sabbath, but rather legalistically. And so it was a day when um, we were in church twice. you know, we were in church in the morning, two services in the morning and then one in the evening. and then to be in between, because we were the pastor's family, we often had company either to our home or we would go to other people's homes. And I do miss now the kind of communal rhythm of that. I mean, Um, I think in our day, we're rarely in each other's homes these days and certainly not on Sundays. Um, so I miss elements of it, but also for me and for us, it was a day of really hard work from beginning to end. And especially for the women folk, I mean, if you were having company, the women did a lot of the work at that time because of the gender stereotypes that were at work then. And so, um, I did not experience it as being delightful at all, um, I experienced it as being, you know, boring and full of hard work. It was very, very mixed for me because while on the one hand, you, you know, you knew that Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest. That's not what what I experienced. Um, And then on top of that, you you know, in our situation, as legalistic as it was, like we weren't allowed to do some of the things that we really enjoyed, like ride our bikes or go swimming. All of those things were seen as being, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they were being, I don't know why they couldn't be included in Sabbath, but that's the way it was back then. (laughs) So um, I really avoided Sabbath keeping. Once I left home, not only did I not want to do that anymore, but I also um, tend to be an achievement-oriented person. So not only was I glad to kick the dour version of Sabbath keeping to the curb, But I also really wanted to use Sundays as a day to catch up and keep achieving things. And uh, I wanted that to be a day where I was able to work hard and get things done and get caught up. And so the achieving part of myself also didn't contribute to a desire to keep a Sabbath either. So it was kind of a double whammy there. And um, God had to literally knock me off my horse, you know, in order to begin to show me that Sabbath was actually a gift that God intends for us all, and I, and of course now, I really do experience it as one, one of God's greatest gifts to us in our humanness.
0: As Doug mentioned, uh, we both work with pastors and and kind of in that coaching and spiritual formation type space. And one thing I've noticed, and I'm sure that Doug would uh, agree, uh, pastors are among the worst people, not just at things like Sabbath keeping, but at just taking care of themselves. They're the ones that can preach sermons on on holistic health and on giving God mm-hmm. that day of rest and somehow seem to skip it themselves consistently over and over. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, as you've written about this and as you've thought about it, what is it that's hiding within the hearts of mm-hmm. leaders that makes it so easy to take care of so many and ignore the one person that they actually have responsibility for, and that's themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, it's an important question, and it's one of the reasons why I address this book unabashedly to leaders, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. is that um, not only is the Sabbath a gift to us, and of course, it's not just a lifestyle suggestion, it actually is one of the Ten Commandments, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's a Ten Commandment because God wanted us to know how important it was, but it is still a gift, Um, if we can learn how to experience it that way. I think that many pastors are not that much different than other high-achieving individuals in the world, only there's a thin veneer of spirituality on their performance-oriented drivenness. And so Mm. if you can call it spiritual, if you can say, well, I'm driven and I'm living outside my limits and I'm pushing beyond limits, um, but I'm doing it for spiritual reasons, then it makes it even easier to just keep pushing, you know, that Mm. I'm pouring, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, (laughs) you know? Um, and that this is what it means to be spiritual is to keep pouring myself out. So we might think it's, it's what it means to be a servant of God. We might think that, um, or we might be really, really driven Mm. and we want success even though it's in the spiritual arena. I think there's just as much drivenness towards success in the pastoral vocation and as any vocation, Mm. And now in the pastoral vocation, you can grow churches to large numbers and things like that and be seen as really, really successful. Um, and because it's spiritual, then it's like a doubly successful, you know? Mm. Um, so I think pastors are just as driven as anyone else to be successful by external measurements mm. and then to spiritualize it by saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm serving God. so So it must be okay to pour myself out like this and to sacrifice my health and well-being for this
1: yeah and I think there's something really important about recognizing that even for this conversation right there, there might be some pastors that are listening thinking yeah my Sabbath is great I've this has been a rhythm that I've that I've attacked and I've been a part of you know for mm-hmm. for for many many years I've entered into that that rhythm and one of the things that I thought was interesting and, and you said something that resonated so deeply with my soul you said Sabbath is far more than one day a week it's actually a way of life mm-hmm. can you speak to that to the pastor who's not sure about what it actually looks like to take a Rest.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. um, If you are really going to practice 24 hours of ceasing and resting, like truly unplugging and pulling back from your work, then the whole rest of your week has to be oriented towards that. And that's what that's one of the main things I meant by that phrase is that you have to order the whole rest of your life to make sure you can take your Sabbath. And so for me, in my own experience, and in the way that I teach and guide pastors, is that means that the sixth day is extremely important because there's the work of vocation and the work that you get paid to do, but then there's the work associated with being human. There's getting the picking up the dry cleaning and mowing the lawn and doing the laundry and um, getting the groceries in the house and all those things that we need to do as human beings and so if we don't have the sixth day to do the work of being human, then the seventh day is never going to happen. So that means you've got to, you know, you've got to try to contain your paid work in the five days of of the week. You need to see the sixth day as the day when you're going to do the work of being human and that the whole family is really trying to get their work done, the work of being human. So that on the seventh day, you really can cease and unplug from your work. And that's really challenging. And I think one of the greater challenges for pastors is that what I see is that most of them don't have two days off in a row. So they're going to say that, well, Friday's my Sabbath, but then Saturday they're ramping up. And I think that the sixth day where you get ready for the Sabbath is so important to the ability to actually to have a Sabbath. And so one of the, the drums that I keep banging is, are you getting two days off a week? And ideally they should be together. So that the sixth day you're doing the work of being human to do all the things that helps you to get ready then to be unplugged on the Sabbath so that you're not doing the work of being human then on the Sabbath. That's what I'm afraid happens a lot is that if we don't get our human stuff done, then the Sabbath becomes a break from the paid work, but it's not a break from the work of being human. So you're still trying to catch up with all your human stuff on that day, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
0: yeah I always, uh, I called that stuff life admin that's what I had mm-hmm. to be working on was just, yeah, life yeah. admin stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, but you're right about the, the two days a week. I just found when I was uh, planting a church that um, at first trying to take Mondays and Saturdays off was just, it was a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because, you know, we talk about Mondays being a hard day. But the truth is, uh, after Sunday, if things went really well, I'd have a lot of energy and I'd be thinking about mm-hmm. work stuff. And if Sunday went poorly or it was a hard weekend, I'd have a lot of energy. I'd want to fix things. And mm-hmm. I, it just made a whole lot more sense to say, let's do Friday off as that life admin day and kind of mm-hmm. have a slow transition into something I can actually enjoy, which was a full mm-hmm. day off. Um, for, as, as you think about uh, Sabbath and as you write about it in this book and as a way of life, I'm wondering... Um, and I'm sure that uh, a, a lot of people have thought about this and written about it, but for you, um, uh, we know kind of what the foundation of Sabbath is. Like, as you said, it's, it's a commandment, it's a gift. Um, I'm wondering just for pastors, like, wh- is there a, is there a deeper meaning that might be helpful for them to grab onto like mm-hmm. wh- the, the why behind the, what? You know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. the, the wise probably not just take a day off or rest. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is, mm-hmm. what's God actually up to? I'm wondering in in your view.
2: Yeah. Well, a number of things, and, and you're right to say that it, the Sabbath to me is so much more than just a day of rest. Mm. Um, there are several things we could talk about. First is this whole issue of human limitations mm. that, The Sabbath gives us a way of acknowledging the fact that we are limited and to live within the rhythm of, of things, you know, that we were not, God could have created us as beings who could go and go and go and go like the energy bunny, but that's not the way God created us, right? God created us as human beings with limits. And so when we practice Sabbath keeping, we're actually honoring the reality of things, the way God has made us and that God knows us best. So that's one thing. Um... Another thing that I think is really important, and this goes right back to the um, early giving of the Sabbath to the people of Israel, it was clear that it was um, about living them being freed from oppression. And so in the Israelite experience, it was sign, symbol, and reality of the fact that they were free to live on God's terms for them, rather than being held in bondage by those who had other ideas for them. And I think to me, that's one of the more powerful aspects of Sabbath keeping is that on the Sabbath, we're saying God instituted the Sabbath because God knows me and knows how he made me and knows what I need. When I take a Sabbath, I'm actually pledging my allegiance brand new to my God. And I'm saying, I belong to God. I do not belong to this culture. I do not belong to this consumeristic environment. I am not in bondage to productivity and achievement and all that everybody says I need to be. I'm actually, you know living on God's own terms for me on the Sabbath and I hope we can all really experience Sabbath as being liberation from bondage and oppression to the culture that we live in it's a time to say no to consumerism capitalism everything that's trying to tell us that we don't have what we need and you need this and you need that and you need that or that your life is going to be satisfied if you have this and have that Um, but that God's gifts to us are enough and God invites us to delight in God's gifts to us that can't be bought and sold. Mm. I think that's a very powerful reality that on the Sabbath, I'm actually declaring my allegiance to God and, and living um, in God's way yeah. for me. Uh, and then the, the last one I would mention would be trust. I think in the Israelite journey, one of the main things that they learned in the Sabbath keeping was this um, whole dynamic of trust where... They were supposed to gather on six days and then um, gather for, gather double on the sixth day so they could not gather on the seventh. And in the beginning, they didn't know if they could trust God for that. Um, they just, so they went out on the seventh day thinking that they were going to find what they needed then. They didn't trust that God would provide for them. And so in, in my experience, there's also a very deep kind of trust that I'm ushered into on the Sabbath that I can rest and I can trust God to continue to run the world while I'm doing what God is inviting me to do, and that I can also trust that the work that I've done in the six days is going to be enough. And that's hard. I think many of us in our culture right now just are convinced that, man, I can't afford to take a day off. There's got too much to do. I can't possibly carry out my commitments if I actually do take a Sabbath. But on the Sabbath, we're actually invited to trust and to say, the work that I've done is enough. I can take my hand off the plow. God can keep running the world and while I'm doing what he's asked me to do, and it'll all be there for me when I, you know, when I emerge. And I think for myself, I experience that every single Sabbath, I'm wrestling with trust, every single one on mm-hmm. some level, I am wrestling with the issue of trust in my life, and who do I really trust? Do I trust myself and my ability to work harder and work seven days a week, or do I trust that if I live in God's rhythms for me, that God will make it enough? It's a very deep, formative practice when viewed in that way.
1: And it's, it's so interesting because it, it seems to me that um, as a as a pastor and as a spiritual director and as a coach, I feel like what's interesting is even talking with students who are fresh out of Bible college or seminary, Sabbath is not necessarily something that, that they've really thought through. And mm-hmm. just how even something as simple as Sabbath, and, and maybe some of it is in the homes that we grew up in, how it's such foundational in the healthiest people that I know spiritually Sabbath is mm-hmm. the common denominator it's mm-hmm. pr- prayer and all and Bible and scripture engagement, all that stuff can be really different in how they approach it. But the Sabbath rhythm seems to be the common denominator that really kind of opens people up to, 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 just a deeper rest with God, deeper communion with mm-hmm. God. And even, and I appreciate how you talk about it in terms of even liberation. And it's like bringing this, this original creation story back into front and center, um, but I also think about it in terms of you know you're you're a young you're a young pastor and and your husband works full time and he's doing this and you're taking a Sabbath and you have two young kids and I appreciate that you talked about season mm-hmm. of life uh, as an important thing to think through. So what would you say to a pastor like that? You know, it's like, I I'm tired. My husband's tired and we have these two dang kids and they're driving us nuts right now. What is, what Mm does rest look like in that place?
2: Mm -hmm. You're asking for a friend, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not me.
2: (laughs) Dang kids. (laughs) Uh, Well, um, I think one of the things that's most helpful, relative to that is for us to be clear that Sabbath keeping is a communal practice, not an individual one. So it's good. not the same thing as solitude and silence. And if we set ourselves up to think that Sabbath is, about, is primarily about solitude and silence, then we are gonna set ourselves up to be really mm-hmm. disillusioned about Sabbath as a practice. But if we really can grasp the fact that Sabbath was given to us as a communal practice and that it's something that's intended for us to enjoy with our close ones, Um, our family, but also the faith communities that we're a part of, then the question is different. It's how can I enjoy my life with these people? How can I enjoy my life with these children? How can we create a day that's joyful and life-giving to all of us? Um, How can it be a day for me to delight in the people that God has given me to live my life with Um, and the gifts of our home and the gifts of our um, life in our neighborhood and things like that? And it really changes how you look at it if you see it as something to practice with the ones you love versus, well, I'm supposed to be getting solitude and silence, but my kids are keeping me from getting solitude and silence. It, you know, it's, it's the way, I think part of it's the, the way that we view it, you know? And then the other part of it too, is that, you know, you want to include your children in the planning. So how can we create a day that would be really fun for all of us? And, um, you know, that opens up a world of, I think, lovely dreaming, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it changes as the stage of life changes and what people enjoy actually changes. But then the other thing too, is that when, if our children are very young and, you know, we know that children take a lot of work, there's no question about that. But, um, on the Sabbath, if our kids are young and they still take naps, then on the Sabbath, we take a nap too, when they take a nap, Mm. you know, during the rest of the week, when they take a nap, we're doing a million things. Mm. But if we can even get them down for a half an hour or an hour, or or have structure a quiet time into the Sabbath day, then we're crawling back into bed and taking a really really delicious nap because that's what God has told us to do. So I think we we do need to frame it, we need to reframe it, and I think the pastor, whoever's the pastor in the family, whether it's the husband or the wife, that they need to think about that part too. Um, And so you know I am driving kind of a big stake in the ground on this that. I think the churches really need to revamp how they look at the way they do church so that that everyone involved gets to have a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see that pastors would carry off the the services on Sunday in the morning, and then everybody goes home. Um, And we're actually guiding our whole congregations in a Sabbath practice. We don't bring people back to church. Um, We let them really have their day um, and and enter into the resting part. Because one of the things that I've discovered in my own life is that it's not so much the secular culture that keeps me from practicing a Sabbath. It's actually been the church mm. that's kept me from, pa- from practicing a Sabbath because there's so much activity. Our family couldn't even find two hours to get a meal together, mm. you know? So the church, you know, takes away from Sabbath versus supporting Sabbath for their congregants. So mm. there's a lot more particulars we can talk about, yeah. but I have, some, I have some pretty strong ideas about that.
1: And all the pastors said, amen.
2: Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and so what's really awesome is that I would suggest that they take their Sabbath then through Monday at mm-hmm. one, or even through the evening on Monday, and that you have a receptionist or something lined up to answer phone, or you have mm-hmm. pastors on call and you share that responsibility, or the elders also step up and they're willing to be on call, but that... Um, you know, the pastoral staff really does take a full 24 hours Mm. starting when they finish up their Sunday services.
0: Mm. Ruth, in uh, part two of your book, you begin to talk about sabbatical Mm -hmm. and you do that with a chapter called when Sabbath isn't enough. Mm. And that's a, that's Mm -hmm. a a provocative title uh, for a chapter, (laughs) uh, particularly in light of all we've been talking about. So when is Sabbath not enough and what do we do about Mm it? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, all I can do is tell you that in my own experience, there came a moment when it was really clear to me that Sabbath was not enough because I was Mm -hmm. taking full and complete Sabbaths, but I would start to head towards Monday, which is, which would be my day to go back to work. And, um, and I would feel like I couldn't face it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I was still exhausted. I still felt empty. Um, I knew I wasn't rested. I was just, I was still tired. I was fragile. Um, And I began to realize that was starting to be a pattern. And I realized that I needed a deeper kind of rest, that 24 hours wasn't touching the level of exhaustion that I was feeling in Mm -hmm. ministry. Um, And so it was also a very honest admission to have to say, you know, as an avid Sabbath practicer, I'm saying, I'm experiencing the fact that Sabbath is not enough and that there's another aspect of the Sabbath rhythm and that is the sabbatical rhythm, which from scripture is once every seven years. But I just did an interview with a pastor for our own podcast right before this one. And what they instituted in their church was every five years. I'm not sure it's about the number of years as much as it is about the concept that every so often you have to let the land lie fallow in order for it to bring forth fruit again. So it comes not only from the biblical understanding of Sabbath, but also from the agricultural Uh, reality of the fact that you can't just make land grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. You have to let there be whole seasons of lying fallow, not just a day. It would, it would not do anything for a piece of land to just rest for a day. You know, they need, there needs to be a whole season. And so um, I've really become convinced that when you look at a Sabbath life, that um, the sabbatical pattern is also part of an overall life that is ordered around Sabbath and that it's definitely a part of a Sabbath community in which um, the community's life affirms a sabbatical rhythm for their pastors. And um, probably I would suggest and prefer that it was actually written into one's employment agreement or terms of call, that the understanding about sabbatical is already there before you're hired. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, often it it seems as though uh, leaders who take a sabbatical, it's not just that they come back ready to do the same things that they were doing before. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a, they come back radically changed very often. Mm-hmm. There's a shift that happens mm-hmm. within them. And so I guess my question would be, why, why do you think that is? How, because, you know, it, it and I think you make the point in the book that sabbatical is different than vacation. So what mm-hmm. is it about sabbatical that is such a catalyst for transformation?
2: hmm. Well, you're right to call attention to the fact that I do distinguish between a vacation and a sabbatical. And oftentimes there will be some vacation time that's part of the sabbatical, but it's not by definition what sabbatical is. Often on our vacations, we have a lot of schedules. We're with, you know, we're with our families. We have a lot of fun, but we're but we don't necessarily rest or we might have travel involved, you know, lots of plans and things like that sabbatical is for another reason it is for a deep kind of rest it's not for running around doing stuff and being busy just doing a different set of things um it is more and maybe i could mix my metaphors here in another book that i wrote um, on solitude and silence i talk about the jar of river water that has sat still long enough for the sediment to settle and the water to become clear on sabbatical our souls settle um in a much more uh complete way and we touch you know the bottom of our souls. And, mm. um, I think the RPMs are often going really fast for, for, pastors. And so we're, you know, like you can't, um, it's, it's really usually best not to jump off a treadmill while it's still going. It's, you know, cause otherwise you might, you know, trip and fall. It's actually best to s- slow the RPMs down, mm. you know, until you finally are still and settled and start to hear the voice of God. So sabbatical is for a whole different purpose than vacation i um I think sabbatical often for pastors will create space for healing, um, not just resting but actual healing for the soul, because pastoral work is very hard work, disillusioning work. Uh, we take a lot of hits we 're on the front line of a spiritual battle as pastors, and you know oftentimes we soldier on, but there really are wounds and pains, and so I strongly suggest um, spiritual direction and therapy if possible within. Um, a sabbatical season. Um, I think sabbatical sabbatical can also be a time for discernment, where we have maybe questions in our lives that we want to bring to God, and it just takes time to work with those questions and to hear from God about them. Um, it might be a time of physical healing. Um, I, I talk about the first sabbatical that I had corresponding with the conclusion of years of caregiving for my parents and getting into the sabbatical and um, realizing just how much I needed physical healing because I'd been pouring out so much and caring for my parents. I hadn't even been going to doctor's appointments, you know, and that my, my body wasn't doing very well. And so I got a trainer and really, and did medical things and just took care of myself at the physical level in a way that I hadn't been able to, um, to that point. So there's healing that needs to take place at the physical level, just space to take care of yourself. Um, and to find one's self replenished um, there's also hormonal and chemical things that need to settle down in the body so the pastoral life is very stressful usually and especially the last couple of years i think probably most pastors uh, stress hormones are high and it takes time for the stress hormones to diminish within our systems um so that we can come back to some normalcy some sense of normalcy beyond all the stress that we carry so um Yeah, it's sabbatical is so much different than a vacation and partly because it's long-term enough to do some self-care things that are different. So I'm not even somebody who says it should always, the whole thing should be with your spouse necessarily. Some people say, well, how do I do that? You know, my spouse works and how to, I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter because you can take a vacation, but you've got some other things you're supposed to be doing. You know, there's some other areas of attention and you need some space to do that, they can go on and do their job the way they normally do it because you are on sabbatical and doing some things that, that need to be done in your life. So my husband's a banker. He he didn't get a sabbatical. Um, but he, you know, but he's there and I'm a better, I'm a different person on sabbatical. So we enjoyed our evenings and we enjoyed our weekends and stuff, but I was in a different season than he was in and that was okay. We had two vacations at the beginning and at the end, but the sabbatical itself was, mine. You know, it was what God was doing in my life for me. Does that make sense when I say it that way?
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I just finished a sabbatical, uh, this time last year. So I I had Mm -hmm. four months that my church was gracious enough to give me. And yeah, it, my it started while my kids and family were all in school, which was such a gift, and um, I felt yeah. like I was really able to focus in on stuff that was going on. And yeah, I met I was meeting with my spiritual director on a little more regular basis and yes. working through some of that. And it was just so helpful because it did give me uh, freedom to feel right. I think a lot of pastors are caregivers, and so we want to care mm-hmm. for our family, and we feel like oh, this would be a great gift for our family. And it's hard for us to be mm-hmm. like actually this a gift for you. Like you can take this. And I think absolutely giving pastors permission is just great. But anyways, Mm -hmm. back to you, Bob.
0: Well, (laughs) I I was just going to say, yeah, I think that, that one of the, the real gifts of sabbatical and the way that God uses it, um, both in my life and in the lives of, of others that I've walked along, um, alongside of is that it, it's that it's the mechanism by which God seems to move our hearts from doing to being. It's mm-hmm. like so many people enter sabbatical with big questions. What am I going to do? Should I, should I move on from this job that I burned out from? Mm-hmm. Should I do something different? And what they find often, I think, and Ruth, maybe you can speak to this, is that God often says less about what it is you're going to do in the next season and more about how you're going to do whatever you're going to do. Like it's, it's as though God is speaking to us. He's, he's trying to show us what's actually important. And it's Mm -hmm. less about what you're doing and more about how you're doing it and the, the pace and the sustainability and the importance you put on it and all that. It's Mm -hmm. rearranging in a sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that you come back and maybe you do end up doing most of what you used to be Mm -hmm. doing before, but you're doing it differently and in a different In a, in a different pace, so it hasn't changed, maybe, but you have changed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you're bringing that changed self. Yeah. To it. So, yeah. Uh,
0: Ruth, let's say that Doug and I want to team up and write a book called Sabbath and Sabbatical for Pastor Dummies. And <laughs> I like the title. Yeah. What Sorry. would we need to include in our chapter on mistake that people mistakes people always make? Like, how Mm -hmm. should pastors not do Sabbath and not do sabbatical? What, yeah, what are the errors?
2: Well, one of them is to not pay enough attention to um, entry and reentry, you know, that the beginnings and endings are really, really important. I think both to Sabbath and a sabbatical, but Mm. even, well, well, to both, I can't even say that one's more important than the other. Mm -hmm. I think Sabbath needs to have a clear beginning and maybe even a ritual to begin in Jewish culture. It was often the lighting of a candle and having a special Shabbat meal. Um, And uh, um, there has to, and and a clear ending where you thank God for Mm -hmm. what that gift was and then move into back into your working life. And maybe even something that's good for the soul to transition. Um, sabbatical definitely needs a clear beginning where you, and, and you know, you will, would probably relate to this where I probably never worked so hard as I did right before my <laughs> sabbatical. Amen. You just crawl across that finish line. Um, but you know, I include in the book, a little prayer service that my group, my staff did for me as I was leaving. Mm-hmm. And that was a clear, like get all the work done and then have a clear, a clear ending of work and beginning of sabbatical. I always went on a vacation right away because I was afraid that if I didn't, I would still putter around with work stuff. So there was a clear, mm-hmm. you know, I'm out of here done. You know, you won't be hearing from me. Um, also the re-entry, I think it is a mistake and I made this mistake. Um, to, like, take your sabbatical right up to the end and then just jump into work the very next day versus having a week or two or even three you where you know tried to jump back you're... on the running treadmill. Oh, yeah, without... Yeah, oh, man, is that dangerous. I mean, it's just... It's terrible. I mean, and I know other people, I've heard them talk about how that when they don't do the reentry very well, you know, they're yelling at the dog, they're mad at their workers. <laughs> I mean, you know, you come back and you're just a mess because you didn't transition. Um... So I think transitions is one. And, some, and then secondly, I would say boundaries. Uh, it is really important to have boundaries around this time. And that means you've got to be really specific with the people from your work. Um, there has to be a clear understanding that some, you know, even if there's a, a high-profile funeral or a, a wedding or whatever, that, um, that you're, you, it's not going to be you. You know, it's just you got to practice the priesthood of all believers and say there has to be somebody else. And you got to help your congregation get weaned from you a little bit Mm -hmm. and realize that the associate pastor or an elder or a Stephen minister, is just as good to be cared for by them as by the senior pastor. Don't let them elevate you to the the point where if you don't come to their bedside, somehow the associate pastor is not as good. You know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's just, you know, we we just have to help our congregations get beyond that. I also think that, that we have to do some thinking about cell phones. Of course, we unplug from work email, and hopefully we all have a private address that we can still interact with. But the the thing that I'm aware of is that because we've all given our cell phones to so many people, they don't know that, you know, we're not available to them in that way. Strangers from five years ago, you know, or depending on how far and wide your your cell phone number has been shared. So I, I um, have even felt that it might be a good idea to actually put an away message on the work on on the work cell phone or the one that's associated with your work and actually leave that behind and get another cell phone mm. a cheaper one or something that you use during your sabbatical so that there's no possibility that people that that don't know that you're in this season can actually encroach and intrude upon your time so so that's that's the third one is boundaries and then or the second one and then the third one is I do encourage, people to be really thoughtful about what is work for them and what is not work for them so that we don't cheat, (laughs) Mm. Mm. you know, um, and do little things that really are work related. Um, but we're very, very clear on what constitutes work for us. And that is what we're ceasing.
1: That's great. I, I think that's such a, it's such a beautiful list. And I love that entry and re-entry. I just walked with a, with, with a pastor who took sabbatical. Um, and it was such a, it was such a fun space to be as a spiritual director, to walk with mm-hmm. someone in the, in the, in the, you know, the entry and the, and the, and the exit or the re-entry. And what was mm-hmm. so cool is his church. And so if anyone's getting ready to go on sabbatical, if you're a pastor, let them listen, let your elders listen to this podcast. Cause I think there's so much for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but his church, wrote, Every person in the church wrote him a letter of specific mm. ways that that pastor has blessed them over the years, and they gave it to him two weeks before he went on sabbatical. So part of mm. his his entry mm. into sabbatical was seeing the good things that he was able to do. I'm like, man, that's mm-hmm. such a beautiful gift for pastors, um, and just thinking like, I, I think there's such wisdom um, talking to pastors about this particular thing, and even being encouraged to dream about your sabbatical. I mean, yeah. I uh, mine was a year ago, and I. I'm, I'm six, I got six years left until I get my next one. And I can't wait because I've got more mm-hmm. adventures to go on. Um, mm-hmm. But lastly, wanted to mention your podcast, um, Ruth. And so tell us your podcast and a little bit about what you're jumping into this season.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, our podcast is called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And um, it's, it really is all about helping leaders connect and forge a stronger connection between their souls and the way they're leading. Um, and of course, biblically and theologically speaking, the soul from Romans 8, the soul is the p- the place where God's spirit witnesses with our spirits about things that are true, um, our truest identity, and then our calling and everything that can emerge from there. And so to be um, more connected with our souls in our leadership versus seeing our souls as being over here and our leadership as being over here. And so, um, you know, in, in many of the episodes, we've worked through conversations around some of my books. And so right now we are Um, in a season on embracing rhythms of work and rest from Sabbath to sabbatical and back again. Um, Our last season was on family systems theory and how that affects our leadership. So it's really topics that keep us connected as leaders with the most authentic part of ourselves, that place where we're connected with God and allowing our leadership to emerge from Mm -hmm. that place.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you again. And we've been asking our guests, would you mind leading our pastors and leaders with either a benediction or a blessing or a prayer? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, let's just take a moment to be quiet. I think um that's good for us all and to just listen and pay attention to what God might have said to you personally in this conversation. Just notice the word or the phrase or the concept or the idea that shimmered for you, where the spirit seemed to be nudging or stirring you around whatever was said and, and claim it. Don't let it go. Just Claim it for yourself is something that God has for you today. And to you, O oh Lord, we lift up our souls. We lift up our hopes and our dreams. We lift up our. Um, pains our griefs our disillusionments we lift up our desires for a way of life that works Um, even if we don't have words for what we want we lift it to you in that beyond words way we lift up our souls to you today at the end of this conversation and I pray that for every pastor or leader who is listening that they would have a strong sense of your presence with them in this moment that you would give them the ability to stop for a moment here and just listen to what's happening between you and them and that whatever they do, they will do it from a place of being connected with you in their souls. We pray for strength, for wisdom, for guidance, and for hope um, as we continue to stay faithful to our life and vocation. And we offer ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of MMP. Our passion is to serve, partner with, and equip hungry pastors and kingdom leaders just like you. Have you signed up for the Kairos Partnership's free weekly newsletter called Five Things in Five Minutes? It's free and it's delivered to your inbox every Tuesday morning. It provides valuable thoughts, links, questions, and quotes to equip you for the ministry and leadership journey. And the entire thing can be read in five minutes or less. To sign up, log on to kairospartnershiporg slash 5T5M. Thanks for listening, and
0: we'll see you next week.